Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Black Monday edition, the December the 31st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, before we turn the page on a new year, we have to go over the fallout from Miami's blowout defeat in Buffalo, a 42-17 predictable yet frustrating loss nonetheless. We'll get you caught up on all the coaching rumors and front office changes, hear from the players, and double down on the best way to alter the organization. Only this time, we have some definitive proof. But first, real quick, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, tuned in, wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We'll have a big, big written preview of the offseason coming up here very soon for you guys, as well as exit interviews, tons of content coming for you this offseason. And of course, last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast, for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have a busy show. Let's get things cranking. That's another Miami Dolphins. And at present time, which is about 12.45 a.m. Eastern time, no changes officially announced. There is a rumor that Matt Burke could be dismissed by the time you guys hear this podcast, but no other changes are official at this point for the Miami Dolphins. The Jets and Bucks acted quickly and axed Todd Bowles and Dirk Cotter respectively, so there are currently four job openings, and as I say that, I am seeing that Vance Joseph was let go in Denver as well, so make that five job openings that the Dolphins are going to have to contend with. The Jaguars did announce, however, no changes will be made on that staff. Doug Marone coming back, so you can and cross the Jaguars off the list of teams searching for new head coaches. But what's the latest on this Miami Dolphins team? We'll get to that later in the episode. But first, what did we learn from the loss in Buffalo as the Dolphins get beat down 42-17 in embarrassing fashion? Tons of injuries, a lack of effort, plenty of things to talk about in that game. Let's go ahead and start with that first topic there, the actual gameplay. And a game that, to me, was a give-up effort by this defense, by this team in general. And speaking of that defense now, the most yardage and most points allowed in a Miami Dolphins season in franchise history. 2018 defense take a bow you accomplish something that really has been happening the last few years under Vance Joseph and Matt Burke. But going back to the effort on two touchdown runs, one from Josh Allen and then one from Shady McCoy that pretty much put the game on ice at 28-14 right after Ryan Tannehill's fumble, his third turnover of the game. Both were total give-ups and kind of tell you about where this team is at mentally right now. But it shouldn't be surprising after all, Adam Gase gave these guys the built-in excuse as he has been using these injuries and other outside factors as the reason this team is losing the last three games. And it's just a bad look to continue to point to the injuries and fault the fact that we didn't have our starters out there for the second half. Quote from Adam Gaze, I wish we would have had some of our starters out there for the second half. And the reason this is a bad look, there's two reasons for it for me. Number one, every team in the NFL, every level of football, you preach the next man up mentality. Even Laramie Tunzel told us post-game at the Buffalo Bills game that 
We asked him about the left guard position with how fluid it was in terms of guys coming in and out of the lineup because of injuries. And he just said, next man up mentality. You can't think about things that way. And that's how it should be because you cannot, as the head coach, let the troops think a dip in performance or results is tolerable just because someone goes down. That's football 101. I know it's not the truth, but that's what you have to preach. And that's not what Adam Gay said at his press conference post game against the Buffalo Bills. And also funny about that presser, a fire alarm went off mid press conference, a danger alert just so fitting for an Adam Gase press conference to finish season seven and nine after a 30 point drubbing at the hands of the Buffalo Bills and number two the reason this also bugs me so much he's always stood up for his players no matter who it was even to the point where it was laughable for how much he excused those guys as bad play at times but now the way he tossed his backups under the bus that's just not a good look it's more excuse making finger pointing I just don't think it's a head coaching quality quality whatsoever and that feeling seems like it's perpetuated by a number of of players around the locker room, a number of veteran players, and we start with Cam Wake, who was asked four different times, this is according to Hal Habib of the Palm Beach Post, he was asked four different times in roundabout ways, of course, to make a comment on the coaching changes that are looming, that are coming for Miami, or rather that are speculated to be coming for Miami, and each time he refused to comment. He would not come to Gaze's defense and simply said, quote, that's not my decision to make, end quote. And then Kenny Still spoke about it as well. He offered up his two cents that he thinks Adam Gaze should stay on as the head coach, so he was very forthright in that way. And of course, his opinion carries a lot of weight in the locker room as well. Maybe not as much as Cameron wake but Kenny Steele is obviously well thought of in the locker room he thinks Adam Gay should be back but then Juwan James came from the top rope with this comment reported by Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post and keep an eye on the podcast later this week as we're going to have Joe Shad on as a guest not sure which day on that one just yet but he says this quote from Juwan James about the identity of this team quote we honestly never had an identity when you don't have an identity as an offense it's hard because you don't know what to go to when things go wrong you're just trying stuff end quote Pretty damning if you ask me. I don't think that that is an endorsement of his head coach at all. Just kind of throwing things out there to throw things out there and just never able to develop continuity and an identity on offense. And I think a big part of that is going back to one of my biggest concerns all year long that Adam Gaze will run things that work and he'll cook up a great plan or a great opening script or a great red zone plan that works very well. And then they never come back to it until weeks down the road or maybe even never at all. So you get the idea that this team is fed up with the way the offense is ran, the way the game plans are constructed. It's just not working. I think that much is pretty clear at this point. Very damning from the Dolphins offensive players chipping in and talking about their displeasures with the offensive staff. As for the Dolphins general identity, we're going to jump into a potential identity that could be coming Miami's way. But at first, it might sound rough. I'm going to explain to you how it could make sense possibly could make sense on the line and we're going to do that next here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast your host Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL on Twitter and the show at Lockdown Fins Melancholy, I think, is a great way to describe the state of affairs when it comes to South Florida sports right now. The Hurricanes, the Dolphins, the Heat, not a lot to be excited about in South Florida sports, but nonetheless, we have the podcast here to trudge on with you guys and continuing on that theme of the sad state of affairs. Before we get into the coaching rumor mill and off-season rumor mill here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, I want to take a minute here 
to talk about Ryan Tannehill, and I think he deserves that much. Seven years with the organization, seven years of service, a long time with this football team, kind of the face of the franchise over that course of the seven years, obviously being the guy they drafted in the top 10. And I know a decent portion of the fan base and maybe even the audience on this show won't want to hear this, but I really personally hated seeing Ryan go out the way he went out today. And he just didn't play good this game or even this season as a whole. Seemed to really regress in 2018. You can just tell that he's a different guy. And he kind of was that all year. He was slower processing early in the season with the pre-snap stuff, trying to identify the defense before even that shoulder injury, something that his processing in 2016 had improved, but then it regressed right back to the norm in 2018. And then the shoulder injury seemed to make him incredibly gun-shy in addition to having diminished physical traits to go along with that. He hit a serious, serious regression in 2018. It sucks. I was wrong. A lot of people that I talked to about the Miami Dolphins and trusted on the Miami Dolphins were wrong about Ryan Tannehill. I oversold his value, and now here we are, ready to move on from the quarterback once again in 2019. But I do want to reiterate that he was not a waste of time at the position. He stabilized what was previously a disaster spot, sans for the one lucky Chad Pennington year, and I mean lucky by the fact that the Dolphins got him for free on the free agent market in training camp. Tannehill had some huge ups, he had many bad lows, and simply never improved the areas this team needed him to improve, and those are the big road games, third downs, essentially any time there was very difficult odds in front of him, it just never worked out for Ryan Tannehill in those situations, but he was a good player, he was a very good quarterback with physical traits that could match anybody in the league, and the Dolphins simply wrecked him. He wasn't destined to be a Hall of Famer, but the Dolphins flat out wrecked him. And with that, we close the book on Ryan Tannehill with the Miami Dolphins and turn the page now to the head coaching position as we shift our attention towards the future of this football team. And Mike Florio went on football night in America, and this was around 7.15 Eastern time on Sunday, to make a mention once again that Miami are very, very interested about a trade involving Ravens' current head coach, John Harbaugh, or just in the John Harbaugh business in general. Florio repeated himself saying that Miami continues to sniff around the situation, which is not as fluid as it has been made to believe in Baltimore, that John and the Ravens are not in a good place at all, and no contract extension is near whatsoever. But here's where it gets really, really concerning if you're Miami. Florio stated that people don't know what the Dolphins are going to do because they don't know, they being the Dolphins. They don't know what they're going to do. Steven Ross is intrigued by the major upgrade, and that is basically the big name, a la one of the, Jim, one of the Harbaugh's Jim or John but that he doesn't want to make the move on Adam Gase unless he knows he has that position secured with one of the big names. I mean, seriously, at this point, just kill me, please, if that's what we're going to do. That is awful, awful, awful business. The worst. It happened in 2011, and it feels like it might be about to happen again in 2019 retain a lame duck status head coach, and then fire him when you inevitably struggle early in the season. And remember now, Stephen Ross has done this twice before with his two previous head coaches going into year number four, gives them that lame duck extension, and then axes them right away in year number four. 2019 would be Adam Gaze's fourth year in the NFL. So very, very scary stuff there if you're a Dolphins fan. And the mediocrity is only going to continue if Stephen Ross doesn't change his standard operating procedure right now. You have to make that change in your philosophy right now because you cannot flub this once again and ruin a coaching 
search once more in 2019, willingly tolerating a coach that you know for a fact now at this point is inadequate unless you're able to strike a deal on the quote-unquote upgrade. That just smells something fierce when you consider luring in future GMs and coaches to this team. Just yikes, yikes, yikes. You said it, Adam. I believe it all the way. Bobby Boucher, the wedding singer, whoever the hell his character's name in that, absolutely kill me, please. Now, on the other hand, the other report we learned about on Saturday was from Eric Galco, the president of Optimum Scouting, and he stated that behind the scenes right now, there is this real tug of war going on between the Jets and the Dolphins, both jockeying for position to make Jim Harbaugh, not John, Jim from Michigan, their next head coach. And that one, to me, honestly feels like more of a possibility for this Dolphins team. Ross would have to wait on John from the Ravens to finish their playoff run whenever that happens. And then Jim's discussion can start immediately, especially after that beatdown they got by Florida in the bowl game and their embarrassing bowl defeat to end Jim Harbaugh's fourth year there in Michigan. Now, the one that actually does have real legs that we've heard directly about from Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald, brace yourself here, Dolphins fans, is none other than Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan has apparently been calling some assistance from around the league to gauge their interest in joining a potential coaching staff in Miami. Now, this was originally targeted for both the Hurricanes and the Dolphins, but since the U has recently brought back Manny Diaz since that report came out to be the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, Ryan has his eyes set on the Dolphins. Ryan has told people around the league that he, quote, has a decent shot of either of getting either of the Miami jobs, but he's an NFL guy at heart and has his eyes set on the Dolphins job. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to I'm going to give this one its day in court and please hear me out on this one. And I'll be honest with you guys, this is ripping off my good buddy Kevin Dern. You guys know him, longtime friend of the podcast, former co-host of the Finalysis podcast with yours truly and on Twitter at KevinMD4. I'm taking this directly off his post from thefins.com and I think the reason I'm doing that is because I can understand the logic to it here, even though I think everyone's going to disagree with me or with Kevin in this case, but I'll go ahead and read it for you. He says that Rex Ryan intrigues me, and again, he puts that disclaimer on there. Hear me out. Number one, Rex Ryan did a segment on NFL Countdown right around the time the Dolphins played the Bears back in October. He talked about how Miami has the best home field advantage in the NFL because of the architecture of that stadium and how it basically makes the sun a magnifying glass on the visitor's bench, which would honestly explain the Dolphins' home record in the last couple of years since those renovations happened, which has been Adam Gaze's saving grace in Miami. Number two, Rex Ryan's ground and pound philosophy would take advantage of the geography of South Florida, something we talked about in the podcast here before, as well as the architecture of that stadium in theory, playing in that style, much like the Ravens have right now that many seem intrigued by that shortens the game. And if you can run the football with the quality stable of running backs the Dolphins have, then you can have the other teams wilt. And if your defense is good, you can then knock them out. And then number three, unless whichever quarterback Miami signs and or drafts ends up having a rookie season like Marino, the odds are the Dolphins are not winning the AFC East in 2019. That means if in fact they're good enough at running the ball and playing defense, then they compete for the wild card spot. And then what's the best way to win on the road where Miami would likely be again in this theory, be portable, be able to go on the road, run the ball and play defense in inclement weather. Now, how does Rex Ryan actually pull this off in the real world? I have no earthly idea, Kevin says, but it would be an intriguing possibility philosophically. And I think I agree with Kevin in that sense, something I've talked about on this podcast 
the reason that I want Jim or John Harbaugh to come to Miami is because I trust them to fortify both the offensive and defensive line. And if you can force a quarterback like Kyler Murray on them, then you have your playmaking right there. We know what this team's ha- this team has on offense at the skill spots and the speed. I think that would just be an absolutely devastating offense to deal with if they can run the ball and then offer that speed on the back end. And especially if you can offer that speed at the quarterback position. But I do tend to side with what Kevin said there towards the end. Who knows if it actually works, but if it were going to work, it would be with that formula. And I think that's probably the Dolphins' quickest route back to relevance, fortifying the offensive and defensive lines and becoming a run-heavy first team and then try to drop a playmaking quarterback into the equation whenever you get the opportunity to do so. But the optimist in me still holds out hope that we can find a way to get that guy, to get my guy, Kyler Murray. And speaking about him, we are going to talk next about Kyler Murray, the Dolphins' draft position, and some other housekeeping notes to put a bow on this podcast recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, the final recap edition of the 2018 season here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Find me on Twitter at NFL and the show at Locked On Fins. Ain't no party in the sad, sad city. Indeed, the Dolphins season comes to an end today on December the 30th. We turn the page looking forward to the 2019 season. And with the conclusion of the season comes the draft order firmly being set and confirmed on this final day of the 2018 season. The Dolphins will pick 13th in April's draft unless, of course, they trade up. The top five of the draft also set now with the Arizona Cardinals number one, San Francisco number two, the New York Jets number three, Oakland Raiders number four, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And there are a bunch of quarterback needy teams in that six to 12 range. So it seems like Miami will have to go to at least number four to make the quarterback dream happen, the Kyler Murray dream happen. And according to last year's NFL draft value chart, That would cost the Dolphins this year's 13th pick, the first round draft pick, 2020's number one draft pick, and likely a very nice sweetener like either this year's second or third round draft pick, maybe next year's second round draft pick. It just depends on how teams value those picks this year and what the ultimate negotiations boil down to. Some teams give up more than they should. Other teams give up less than they should in those situations. It's all based on the situation. But how about that Kyler Murray on Saturday night against the Alabama Crimson Tide? Started off very, very slow, looked overmatched and overwhelmed first then Hollywood Brown his top playmaker top receiver goes down and can't catch anything playing hurt in that game all night it was ugly until it wasn't as Kyler Murray accounts for 417 of Oklahoma's 471 total yards so he was the entire offense willed that team back into a game and made it somewhat competitive in the fourth quarter puts up 34 points on that vaunted Bama defense, he didn't look overmatched in that game once he got settled in in the slightest. Even took a huge shot from Quinnen Williams in the face, got his helmet torn off, his eye was bleeding, and proceeded to score two more touchdowns after that. The kid has ice water in his veins, and he made that throw of the year on that long 50-yard touchdown pass up over the top. And that throw right there is exactly what I love about him. These guys that really only were baseball players can make throws like that where they're off platform and they're kind of in a funky spot like a shortstop ranging back into the six hole making the backhand play or a center fielder going to the gap and chasing one down and throwing it back across his body to prevent the double. Just very impressive arm talent to go along with the fact that he can extend plays with the best of the business in the entire world, in the football world, and he extends these plays and converts on third and long 
time and time again. Once he breaks that pocket after the initial rush, if you don't get him on the initial rush, you're screwed because when he breaks the pocket, stuff breaks down in the back end. He can beat you with his legs. He can beat you with his arm. And that's why Nick Saban, who loves playing man coverage, said, Kyler Murray, that offense was the toughest offense I've ever had to defend in my entire life. That's the guy I want coaches that play the Dolphins to have to deal with, making them defend every blade of grass, every option on the field, every target on the field, the run, the pass, whatever it is. Kyler Murray threatens every blade of grass, and he is a special, special, special dynamic player. Now, yes, he did miss some of the layups, and my philosophy is that is if you're going to miss a couple layups, you better make up for it with the big primetime plays. And if you want to question his ability to do that, then I think we're pretty much done here. But to me, that game proved everything I thought about him. He is going to be absolutely awesome at the next level. And when you take a peek across the league in 2018 and kind of get an idea for what other teams did to have success or didn't do to not have success, I think that's very important to know what your peers are doing around you. And you look at a couple of teams that did the rookie idea and put them on the field later in the season, and it just sparked everything. And the impact a dynamic rookie quarterback can have on your roster, just that one guy can change everything for you. You go to Baltimore, obviously you guys know where I'm going with this, with Lamar Jackson. You put Lamar Jackson into an offense that is just... Just dead. They're not doing anything. They're four and five. The season looks like it's going to come to another short end, another eight and eight season for Jim Harbaugh. But all of a sudden, they're six and one in the last seven games. They're one of the champions of the AFC North. And please, please, please stop telling me that he's so limited passing that it's not a big deal. Maybe he is limited, but he's completely changed that offense around him. They are running all over people, and it's because of Lamar Jackson. They went from that horrible eight and eight stretch once again for the fourth straight year to now a team that people think can contend for a Super Bowl championship. So don't tell me the quarterback doesn't make the biggest impact on the field. It absolutely does. It did in Baltimore, and it did on the other side of the ball in that game with the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield comes in and wins seven games for a team that had previously won just one in the past two years. He turns them from a crap fest into a team that's competing with some of the big dogs down the stretch. So galvanizing, so impressive. I think everyone thought he was going to complete that awesome comeback. He fell just short there, just about one first down short of a field goal try. But nonetheless, you saw the fact that the Browns were in that game competing in a big, big spot. Primetime football. Everybody in the country are watching, and they've started making that comeback late. And I think everyone thought they were going to win. They did not, but it just shows you what can happen and how quickly you can get things turned around by hitting on the right quarterback, the right young quarterback, the guy that can give you an identity and give you a plan and something to build on and progress off of through the course of their entire career. Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, in a very short period of time, have done that for Baltimore and Cleveland. And the Dolphins hoping to do the same thing next year and get this thing turned around very, very quickly. And with the turnaround as the 2018 season is a wrap, the Dolphins' opponents for the 2019 season are officially set as we go here first with the eight home games the Dolphins will play at Hard Rock Stadium in 2019. They will host, as always, the Patriots, Jets, and Bills. The AFC West second place finisher, Los Angeles Chargers. The From the AFC North, the Bengals and Ravens. And from the NFC East, the Redskins and Eagles. So Jets, Patriots, Bills, Chargers, Bengals, Ravens, Redskins, and Eagles at home. On the road, they'll go again once to the Patriots, the Jets, and the Bills. The second place finisher in the AFC South and now playoff bound. Indianapolis Colts from the AFC North, the Steelers and Browns from the NFC East, the Giants and the Cowboys. So... I mean, that means nothing at this time of year, but just in case you guys have certain road games you want to go to, going to New York twice, to Dallas, to Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland, and of course to New England once again. But when the schedule came out last year at this time, I remember everyone thinking that schedule was going to be almost impossible to get through, and it turned out the Dolphins played one of the easier schedules in the NFL in 2018. So what that means 
I don't really know. And the schedule for us here on the podcast this week is going to be a busy one on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We're going to have the off-season plan column and podcast coming very soon. I promise I keep talking about it. I want to do it sooner rather than later, but I also want to see who's going to be calling the shots before I start making predictions because I got to get to know them and their philosophies and what they've done in the past before I can predict the future. Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post will join us sometime this week. Not sure which day that's going to be. But we will have Joe back on the podcast to get you guys caught up on some of the things we're hearing from the Dolphins themselves and the organization. With Joe, we're going to give out the postseason awards for the 2018 season, revisit some of my predictions, and then get on to 2019. It's going to be a busy time for me now on the podcast as it only ratchets up this time of year covering all the moving and shaking of the offseason for the Miami Dolphins. And you know we're going to have a good time doing that. But as for tonight's show, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. Talk to you again on Wednesday for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Yeah.